Hello, welcome to Second Second City Sports Zoom Style. Zoom Style. <laughs> All right, right here on Zoom, I'm Lakina McGee. You can follow me at Kina McGee on Twitter and at Kina underscore McGee on the Insta. I'm Sid the Kid. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at SidKid80. Once again, at SidKid80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. And you can read all of my articles at weareregalradio.com. That's W-E-A-R-E-R-E-G-A-L-radio.com. And you can listen to this program along with our brothers from of the mothers, the Dean Davis show uh, on on Spotify. You can listen to it also on War on Anger, which kicks you over to Spotify and wherever else you get your uh, podcast. So check us out, Second City Sports there as well, all your podcast platforms. Absolutely. So, Sid, things are starting to kind of, you know, get back to normal slowly but surely. Uh, we got a lot to get to today. We're going to have Kevin, Fa- Kevin Powell, sports reporter and anchor for WGN Radio, coming up in a little bit. So, But we're going to start things off with the one sport that doesn't seem to actually want to get together or doesn't seem to... Yeah, there seems to be a lot of stuff going on there. Been, you know, of, course, of course, I'm talking about the MLB and MLB Players Association. The latest offer now, I think, is like 70 to 75 games. There have been like there was 115 game proposal, then the 89 game proposal, counter proposal from the players, or I might have that backwards. But now I, I'm thinking, I, no, I read like this came out just earlier. Uh, excuse me, earlier today, the latest proposal was 70 to 75 games with the with the prorated salary so Sid what are you thinking what the heck is going on here as I've been saying for the last few weeks on this program the the owners and the players uh whichever side you want to blame first go ahead and be my guest but as I said before these two sides need to get their act together and handle their business behind closed doors it all comes down to money at the end of the day along with the rest of these leagues Unlike baseball, the rest of the three leagues, which, which is NHL, NBA, of course, mm-hmm. the NFL benefited. We'll get on them later because they're in their off season. But Major League Baseball needs to get behind closed doors and sell this. It all comes down to money. And I, I saw that same report too, Lakina, earlier today that uh, an average player that makes that will make a million dollars for uh, for a full season, that player will get between three fifty and three seventy five k. So they're Prorated salary will be guaranteed only 75%. I know the players are fighting for it to have their salary guaranteed 100% for this year. Uh, so I'm sure they're going to be somewhere in, in between there. Me personally, I like the players to get all of their money because they haven't been uh, paid for this year because there have been no games played. But just handle your stuff behind closed doors. I think there will be a season. As I said before, I'm cautiously optimistic. It's going to be a season. Uh, the question is, how many games is, go- is there going to be? What's the playoff scenario this year? Will it be a new playoff scenario? Or will it be the same? Because let's be honest here, I think the owners are testing out the players for this new collective marketing agreement coming up following uh, its expiration date this time next year. So you have to be careful right there. I think the two issues are, the number of games, and what, what's the travel restriction? What's the schedule going to look like? Because let's be honest here, they don't want uh, the players uh, in the teams to travel too far out of their region. So I think that's the two main issues here. 
I mean, it is sort of like you should have seen uh, Rob Man for the commissioner's interview with Carl Ravage. If they were going back and forth, and uh, Manfred said, "Listen, we're, we're going to have baseball." Carl didn't say too sure, and I and I heard him on uh, Waddle and Sylvia a couple of I think it was yesterday that said that he's not quite sure how they're going to do this because you know we're already we're approaching mid June and everything else that's been happening. You get all the other leagues are starting to have plans to kind of you know get you know get back going, and you know golf is going on. They have a tournament going on right now. And down in Florida, well, we'll talk about that in a little bit. And you got the NBA, although there there are some concerns there. Again, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, the NHL and also MLS have had had their draw. They're kind of going to do like a World Cup style draw. We'll get to that in a little bit as well. And it's just it seems like baseball just doesn't know what to do. And I think that they're playing kind of politics with 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 folks, you know, behind closed doors instead of doing, handling it behind closed doors, if you will. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the thing that's actually not helping them is the fact that all these other sports are starting to kind of, you know, cross the E, cross the, you know, you know dot the T's and cross the, I, you know, cross the T's, dot the I's and, you know, getting the language going about testing and, and such. And it seems though that baseball seems like the one sport that's not, it, it just, at this point, I just don't know what to think here because, I mean, is it really, okay, is the prorated salary the problem? Is the number of games? Is the fact that we're going to, play all these teams or put all these teams are you going to have them all like in a bubble like what the NBA is going to do and it, it's just that there seems to be like a lot of like you know infighting going on that things are still people everyone's still pretty much fall apart falling apart or still very much apart when it comes to negotiations yeah remember in the beginning of this pandemic the major league baseball put out a plan uh or, or, or trying to get a test run of uh of the help the hub cities or hub states, as you will, in Arizona and Florida, for um, with those spring training sites and 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 fans and people alike thought that that it wasn't a great idea, given the strict guidelines of no spitting, no uh, family traveling with you, and so that got major pushback. So I I think it's pretty safe to say that that the hub cities for baseball are gone. Uh, I'm cautiously optimistic about them doing it in air quotes. For those of you there are just listening only and not watching us. Um, so I, that's why I brought up one of my two issues was the scheduling. Of course, uh, let's just pick the White Sox and Cubs for the example. For example, as, since we are broadcasting from here in Chicago, you're going to play the majority of your schedule within your division. If you play teams outside of the, your division, uh, you can only travel a certain, a certain amount of miles because of the pandemic was going on and you, you want to cut down your risk of of catching this virus uh, it depends on uh, where what city you go to plus let's be honest here different states are operating on different timetables right now so that's also a factor as well yeah you got states like florida and texas that are completely opening up and then you have states like ours that still were opened up but there's still a lot of restrictions and i think mm-hmm. other states are, are like that as well so that's another problem that you're going to have to face. And then like we've been saying these last few weeks, you got players in other countries that are, that probably went back to their home countries once all this hit. And, you know, the borders are still very much closed in some of these places, including here in the States. So how are you going to get mm-hmm. some of those guys back? So that, that's another thing you got to think about. So they need to kind of hurry up and figure this out because like we've been saying, the, you know, the season should be about halfway through, about halfway through the season right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking that if they don't get 
get something in place by, I would say maybe early July, the seat, you pretty much can just forget about a 2020 season because you really are going to be able to do really much of anything because you got the NBA is going to have their stuff going on. The NHL is going to have their stuff going on. You know, the NFL is going to be, although we'll talk about NFL and what they're going to be doing in a, in a bit, but you're going to kind of get lost in the shuffle here. And that's not a good thing. Also, too, let's let's consider this. There's a is there. Uh, I know that Brian Manfred was asked by Carl Ravich. Like I said, I listened to the interview from the other day when Carl asked him, "Is there a timetable for this?" The uh, and the commissioner tried to dodge that question a little bit. You didn't want to put it out there like that. And I get it. Uh, as as we said before, you don't want to negotiate through the media, even though you're doing a horrible job as far as PR wise. But that with that standing. It's got to be a deadline here, like you mentioned, Lakina, because the July 4th, people thought that the season was going to start. You can forget about that now. The earliest you can start probably July 31st or uh, maybe the first week in August. If you don't get a deal done within the next couple of weeks, like you said, you can't forget about the 2020 season. And like I said before, if this comes, this will come down to uh, money, if, why you don't have a 2020 season, should that happened you crossed into 1994 territory and uh, we all know how devastating that was due to that player strike i'm not saying this will overtake 1994 but this will become pretty darn close and the owners could use this as a bargaining tool in the offseason say hey to the players we know that the cba is up after next year let's see if we can try to get this done before you guys take the field next year because it will be 18 months before some of these teams have played baseball. And we all know that fans are waiting and waiting patiently to attend these games. And if you, let's just say that that they're working on a collective bargaining agreement during the offseason, should there be no season this year, and and there's any type of delay starting 2021, there's going to be a problem. And that's, I think that's where it it lies, is the fact that, okay, what's going to be the cutoff point? And Mm -hmm. are we going to be is there going to be some type of like negotiations? I mean, one of the things that that's being commended by the NBA and the NHL and even MLS is the fact that they were able to keep their stuff kind of behind closed doors. You got, but unfortunately MLB, you got like one side saying one thing, got another side blaming the other. And you know, there's just a whole lot of like infight. I think, I think nobody wants to hear, especially the times we're living in. You've got still, you got like 42 million. I think the latest number was that, that are not working. A lot of people were furloughed or were laid off during this, even before this. So I don't think people want to hear it right now. And you've got fans, like the White Sox fans, you know, they thought that maybe this will be like a big breakthrough season for them. They still got a wait in Toronto as well. So this is sort of one of those things where I think the MLB needs to figure it out and figure it out quick because, as I've said, you're going to get lost in the shuffle with all these sports coming back later Mm -hmm. in the summer, and you're going to be an afterthought. Yeah, wait till football season starts, both college and pro, which we'll get to later. But if they sh- should baseball wait any longer, they will be forgotten uh, and lost in the shuffle, and they can't blame nobody else but themselves. Exactly. So we'll we'll see. Uh, can I also say, you know, Carl Ravage, he's been a, a great follow on Twitter, and he's been very vocal. I think he kind of, you know, is channeling like how fans are feeling at this point. I know. Can we have him be the commissioner? him or Jason Stark, because I, I think at this point, <laughs> Manfred is not, he's not getting it for some reason. I don't know, but again, we'll see. 
well, we'll see, but uh, it'll be interesting. Um, for, next up, we're going to go to the NBA. The NBA, you know, there's some more and more stuff is starting to kind of come out about how they're going to do this. But, you know, according to Adrian Wojnarowski and also Brian Woodhouse, they said that some of the players are not very happy with some of the, you know, some of like the notes and stuff that they're not, that, again, according to Woodhouse, I think, I think Woodhouse said this too, about like 40 to 50 players are not really pleased about some of the conditions that are being written here. And they feel like, you know, they really didn't have much of a say on some of the conditions on how to, you know, get the season back and, you know, resuming the season, some of the other stuff's going to be, going to be, going to be going on here. Totally unprecedented, of course, during these times. Mm -hmm. So what do you think about, like, some of the stuff that's been going on with the NBA in these last few days? Yeah, assuming uh, the worst of the worst doesn't happen, some things can change within those plans with the NBA. NBA. Of course, with all the teams flying down to Orlando and staying uh, in close quarters, uh, from what I understand, what I've read and heard over these last few days, well, when a team gets eliminated from this tournament-style postseason, mm. uh, that team will leave ASAP. And so the more teams that they get eliminated, the, the, the chances increase, a decrease, rather, to catch this virus. So hopefully everything goes well for the NBA. Of course, everybody's not going to – so I was trying to get to. Not every team is going to stay down there for the whole time. So they'll, they'll cut down the chances for anybody to catch that virus. And speaking of catching a virus, I hope the NBA has a contingency plan in place. I know they're going to be tested every day, but I think it's safe to assume that I don't know what the percentage is going to be. Hopefully it's not too high, but it's going to be at least maybe, and maybe it didn't mean being naive here, but at least 3 to 4% of the players tested positive for coronavirus are already, assuming when they get down to Orlando in a few weeks to prepare for training camp. We all know what happened to Kevin Durant. He didn't play this year, and he caught coronavirus. And that was during the beginning of this pandemic. So I I, I just just hope that uh, the NBA has a, a, a plan in place for what if this situation happens, we can do this. If this situation happens, we can do that. So I just hope that the NBA can be prepared as much as possible. Also, going to the rosters, let's just say, heaven forbid, two or three players on the same team catches the, the virus, do you have a taxi roster in place? First of all, will, will those players be eligible to be, be put on that roster? One, we all know they'll get tested. Number two, are they in shape? And so you, you face those circumstances there as well. So I just hope that the NBA thought through this thoroughly, and we all hope that uh, everyone is safe and we can get these games going. One of the things that has helped is that they actually are expanding the rosters to 15. Mm -hmm. So that that's going to help a little bit. I would hope that maybe Adam Silver and the rest of the, the NBA Players Association have had have discussions about that in case, you know, God forbid, two or three players, like you, like you said, said, two or three players from the same roster somehow catch the, the virus. And I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that they're going to make sure everything is clean and everything is sanitized and that, you know, Folks are going to get tested, of course, every every day. So I'm hoping that it, it – I'm, I'm sure that they have thought about all this. Again, we'll, we'll get to the NFL in a little bit because the NFL has, you know, had put up its guidelines on what they're going to do. Um, I just think that 
I think you're hoping that it's better to be safe than sorry. Like I said, this is totally unprecedented. We've never had anything like this happen before. So I'm, I'm thinking that maybe, hopefully, that, you know, they have a plan B, C, or D, or even E in case, you know, the worst of the worst happens. If somebody does, if a coach or a trainer or a player test positive, I think that they're trying to, like, minimize the risk by having everybody be kind of quarantined, if you will, in a sort of like in one area. You know, the practice facilities and the hotels are all in that one area. So maybe to kind of like minimize any chances of the virus being spread should someone get it. So I'm, I'm thinking that that's, you know, I'm sure this has been talked about. I'm sure this is sort of like all types, types of things, but you know, well, there's still a lot about this virus that we don't really know too much about. So I think that's kind of like the scary thing here about all this, you know, where people are kind of sort of like slowly weighing on whether or not to even bring, you know, to have even sports come back at this point. Yeah, well, we are learning about this virus, it seems like, day by day, and hopefully we'll know a little bit more once the NBA season restarts. And also, too, we brought up this issue on this program before. You have to worry about head coaches in the Oh, since Wi-Fi went out, so yeah, so I, okay, I'll see. Okay, yeah, okay. Okay, so um, before we broke up, my uh, my issue was hopefully we learn more about this virus day by day. So uh, maybe things will improve by the time the NBA season restarts. Now, the other issue that we brought up on this show before, uh, the most of your head coaches and your assistant coaches, not all of them are 50 years of age and above, and so they're at higher risk for this disease. What happens if one of them gets it? Of course. Uh, well, you know, one of the assistant, other assistant coaches would take over. Yes, that's true. But uh, are the other assistant coaches, do they have the virus as well? So we don't know. So we just hope that everyone is safe and the NBA, NBA has a safety plan and has all their um, um, coaches and players in a safe place to resume, resume these games. Yeah, because we, we heard that LeBron, guys like LeBron, CP3, Giannis, they all want to come back. But then you have Carmelo, you know, rumors are that he doesn't want to resume play, even though Portland would be able to, you know, to be in this this total tournament-style playoff. So there seems to be like some division among some players. And I, I wonder that I'm sure this has been talked about by a lot of the, the players themselves. So, look, I'm sure – take all the precautions that you need and all the precautions that you want. But, it, you know, again, this is, we're still learning about this virus on a, on a daily uh, basis. So it'll be interesting to see how, how this goes, because I'm sure, you know, like, I'm sure we saw the news that, you know, 40 to 50 players, you know, may not want to be able to participate, may not want to participate in this, but again, we'll just have to wait and see. All right, so going towards the NFL a little bit before we take our break. Um, the NFL has decided that they're not going to do like training camp, well, like off season mini camps and all like that because they kind of missed all that already. So they've opened up the facility to the coaches, and now they're starting to, you know, there's not going to be like any, so there will be no Bears going to Denver like they've been the last couple of years. They're going to stay over mm -hmm. at Hallis. But uh, yeah. I mean, I, I saw John Harbaugh's comments yesterday saying that, look, I mean, we could take all the precautions. We're going to try to do our best, but there, there's still a lot of other stuff that we don't know. And football 
you know, football teams are like are in very close quarters. You got close quarters with the people, and we'll hopefully we'll mm-hmm. be able to ask Kevin about this in a little bit. But what do you think how this is going to play out for the NFL? Because you know, you got you got like what fifty guys, and you know, not not even including coaches, media. So this is this is going to be new territory for them, and I, I'm dying to see how they're going to do this. Yeah, I heard Coach Harbaugh's comments uh, actually this morning um, before we came on here to record. And he has every right to vent. Uh, he, one of the things that he pointed out during his uh, radio interview, he said that football is a contact sport and it's a communication sport as well. And the players, will, they always have to huddle to all, in order to get the plays through. Of course, the coaches uh, transfer the plays from, from their headsets to the quarterback's headsets. Of course, the quarterback gives it out to the players in the huddle, office of huddle. Now, there will be no social distancing here. And, of course, we all know that every NFL team is secretive. So <laughs> if you're going to tell the players not to huddle or have a different style of huddle with three feet, that, that's not going to work. So I, I know that the NFL officials have heard what John Harbaugh uh, said. I'm sure there will be some adjustments. And, of course, as we said before, the NFL has time on their side because they're in their offseason right now. So they can adjust uh, in, in that way. So I, I think that the NFL uh, will get this right. Of course, when training camps start up, uh, whatever is not working, they can adjust here and there. So it's going to be interesting to see how how the players uh, adjust to six feet, three feet of social distancing. And what are these meeting rooms going to look like? How many people are going to be in there? Because we all know they got the quarterback room with the players and the coaches, the defensive room with the players and the coaches. So, are, how many people are you going to have in those rooms? Are you going to practice social distancing? And how much can you do that on, once you get on the field? That's going to be the main question. Yeah, I saw Kimberly, Kimberly Jones from NFL Network. She's terrific, by the way, tweet that she's, you know, this is, she's been covering NFL for years, and she's been in those locker rooms. They're very constricted. So I want to see how, like you said, you got the quarterbacks on one end. You got the, whoever the star player of the game is. You got the coaches over here. I've seen some, if you see some depressors with the governors, that's probably some sort of what you're going to be able to have to see. You're going to have like maybe, you know, have, you know, reporters be, you know, six feet apart and have, mm-hmm. you know, back, you know, front, left and right and even like top to bottom. So that's probably something that they're going to have to think about. And you're probably going to have to have like, the, you know, those long little boom mics. You're probably going to have to yes. use those. Yes. Some of those, some of those TV people. So I, I think it's going to be interesting. Also the, also, the uh, pumping in the pumping in the crowd noise, because I, I forgot which network it was, but one network has already said that they're gonna they're gonna you know perhaps they pump in the crowd noise <laughs> during the season. So that's another thing that you're gonna have to think about. And I love Melvin Gordon's uh uh quote when he said that, "Hey, I, listen, I played in La- San Diego and Los Angeles, so for the Chargers, <laughs> so I'm used yeah. to I'm used to not playing in front of a lot of people. <laughs> so and that'll be another interesting element that's gonna be." you know, intrigued to see. Yeah, as we talked about before, before uh, all these sports are presented as television shows, no bigger than the NFL and college football. Should there be no fans in the stands uh, to start the season for both leagues? The dirty secret is out. There will be crowd noise <laughs> pumped into our broadcast. And yep. so uh, these networks want to make it as normal, uh, normal as possible and more ex- and the product more exciting as possible. So it's not it's not a secret of what the networks have been talking about for the last few months. I heard a report yesterday that 
uh, the NBA announces. I, I don't think there'll be local announcers, but national announcers. They'll be based in Atlanta, where Turner Sports are headquartered, along with NBA TV, and, mm-hmm. um, and the announcers will do the game from a studio there. And so uh, the NBA is cutting down on the social distancing. They're not going to have as many people in the arena as you normally would for, for a game, uh, minus the crowd, of course. So the NFL is just uh, taking their time and, just, and, and measuring out all the scenarios. So what you just brought up should not be a surprise here. Yeah, I'm thinking about the Charles Schwab challenge that's going on right now in Texas. And the way they have it set up, it's going to be on CBS um, tomorrow and Sunday. We're recording this on a Friday, folks, um, depending on when this gets put put up. But Jim Nance is actually going to be in the 18th Tower in Texas, in Fort Worth, just outside Dallas. Mm-hmm. Then you have Nick Faddle. He's going to be in his, he's in his studio in Orlando, where, near where he lives, broadcasting from there. And you got the, all the, the other course reporters. They're going to be around there. They've been around there, too. And you know, has, the only people you're really going to see is them, the golfers, and their caddies. You're not going to see the, a mm-hmm. big crowd. You're not going to even see their family members. So... And that, I think, that's probably some of what you're going to be seeing in football and, press and, and basketball and also hockey, too, once they, they open back up in a couple of months. So it's going to be a very weird time for sports because you're not, you're not seeing it in the Bugas, in Bundesliga, in the German Soccer League. You're not going to see any in the, in the, in the Premiership when they, when they return next week. So it's going to be different. It's going to be a whole different vibe, and it's going to be interesting how the networks sort of respond to all of this. Yeah, as we said before, these networks are going to, have to present these sports in a television-style way, like the NFL is presented in that way, like college football is presented in that way. These networks are going to have to get creative until fans come back. It's presented as a TV show as it is, so they're, they're going to have to get creative and present it in the way that, that uh, fans can tune in and watch, and hopefully the competition matches up to the hype as well. So these networks have a lot of work to do. And also um, trying to kind of like pump down the uh, the swear words, if you will, because I'm, I'm, I don't know if you heard this, Sid, but uh, yesterday at the Schwab Challenge, when Jim Nance you know, says, you know, hello, friends, his signature, the greeting, there was a, mm-hmm. you know, one of the golfers, I forgot who the golfer was, I think it might have been Dustin Johnson, he actually said the F word, <laughs> you know, <laughs> nice freaking, nice bleeping shot, and, you know, he had to, Nance had to apologize yeah. for that, so that, that's another thing that people are going to have to get used to see, you're going to be, you're going to be seeing some swear words, I'm not going to be able to get past the censors. <laughs> yeah, that's why I hope that the, in, the NFL, I'm sure, hopes that they'll have some fans in there once the season starts, or the regular season starts, because, if you try to mic up all the players, there are some stuff that you just don't <laughs> want to hear. And I'm not I'm not going to be there for it. We watch sports long enough looking at to read lips and see what some of these players are saying. Do you really want to know what some of these players are saying? I don't think so. <laughs> it would be interesting television, though, I would think so. <laughs> true, true. But, but uh, yeah, I, I don't want to hear it. Yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. I'm sure you don't want the kids to hear it, so it'll be... Yeah, exactly. That, yeah, that, that'll be another um, interesting element. So one more thing before we go on our intermission before as we bring in Mr. Kevin Powell. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. The NFL has... Um, I don't want to say apologize for Colin Kaepernick, but they've, you know, Roger Goodell released a video last week right after we went off air, went off, said that, you know, saying that, look, you know, we didn't take it seriously. We totally, 
um, missed the mark when it came, you know, when the kneeling and, and whatnot. And they're actually the Juneteenth, which is coming up next week, they're actually are going to recognize June, Juneteenth as a national ho holiday. And they've already have pledged to donate $250 million to various causes in black and brown communities. So what do you think about all this with the NFL that they're kind of like totally have changed their tune, if you will? Roger Goodell wants his black card to celebrate Juneteenth. Okay, <laughs> maybe that's a bad <laughs> joke there. But in all seriousness, uh, this is the NFL's way of uh, cleaning up their actions, quote unquote, because of the Colin Kaepernick situation with the uh, kneeling down during the national anthem from four years ago. And this is the NFL's way of apologizing, saying that I'm sorry. Of course, I saw the video just like you did, Lakina. And Commissioner Goodell couldn't mention Kaepernick's name because of the lawsuit yeah. and Kaepernick. And, and, people, uh, against, and people need to remember and, and that too. from the league as well. Yeah, and people need to remember that too. Say that against it because I know people was like, well, "Why do you say uh, Kaepernick's name by by name?" Go ahead, say say it one more time, Sid, for people who don't realize. Be, yeah, yeah, be, yeah. Because of the lawsuit and of course uh, Kaepernick in, in a settlement took money from the league. That's why Commissioner Goodell did not mention Kaepernick's name. Now. Oh, with the NFL clean up, trying to clean up their image because we all know that they had trouble uh, throughout the last few years, uh, giving Ray Rice, Adrian Peterson, uh, some other players as well. This is their way of turning a new leaf and cleaning up their image. And so we'll see what the NFL d does along, uh, along with all these other leagues uh, moving forward. It's a, it's a hot pitch right now to hop on the Black Lives Matter movement and hop on the racial equality movement, hop on the diversity movement. We'll see uh, if their actions back up their words and their promise. So we'll see what, what the NFL does. Now, does this mean that Colin Kaepernick will get a job? I I question that. We'll see what happens. I know Seattle Seahawks head coach Pete Carroll uh, yesterday admitted that we all knew at the time that they were tracking Kaepernick's progress at the time they hinted that they were going to sign him of course they signed back a quarterback Austin Davis a couple years ago so they were one of the uh, a few teams that try to take a chance on Kaepernick but they're worried about the PR backlash from their fans so I don't know if if Kaepernick wants to play in the league at this point because he doesn't talk he lets uh, uh other retweets that he does on his Twitter account he lets other people speak for him so Will he come back to the league? I don't know. Is he in great shape? From from what I've heard, he is still in great shape. So uh, it remains to be seen uh, if Kaepernick will come back to the league or not. And remember, he's 30 years old now. So that that's another mm. – he's oh, almost 30, I should say. He's like 20 or 29. So that's a whole another. But he's you know, over – I think he's 32. 32. Okay. So, yeah. So yeah. I figured that. So, yeah. So that, that's another thing that you kind of have to take into account as well. And like you said, he got $20 million. So – I don't think he's in a big hurry to kind of come back to the league. We'll see. I know like every there's a sort of, you know, salute, mm -hmm. but we'll see what happens there. So we're going to take a break for right now. And, but don't worry, we got a lot coming up. We're going to talk about what NASCAR is doing. We're going to talk about MLS. We're going to talk also the MLB draft, you know, the Cubs, you know, took a local kid. From, mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, from the JRW team where we'll talk more and also ho hockey and, basketball bulls and maybe even we'll touch on the DePaul job too with Kevin Powell coming up next to the second city sports zoom style we'll see you in a zoom bit style. yep we'll see you in a bit 
Welcome back to the second hour of Second City Sports Zoom style. Zoom style. There we go. <laughs> well, along with Miss Lakina McGee, I am Sydney Brown. And joining us to uh, wrap up the show this week, to spend a good portion of, of the segment with us, is a good friend of the Dean Davis show. And I met him when I was on CLTV Sports Beat, RIP CLTV Sports Beat, uh, last year. His name is Kevin Powell. He's a sports anchor reporter for WGN Radio. You can hear his updates during the Rocon show that is every weekday, Monday through Friday, from 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. Also with another good friend of the Dean Davis show, Miss Laura Lafka. Uh, make sure we will give tell we say hello, Kevin. <laughs> I will. <laughs> thanks for thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. This will be no, fun. Yeah, no Definitely. problem. You can, yeah, you can follow Kevin on Twitter at kpal720. Once again, it's at kpal720, and you can follow him on Instagram at kevinpowellwgn720. Once again, kevinpowellwgn720 on the Instagram. Is that correct, Kevin? That sounds right to me. I trust you, Sydney. <laughs> yeah, good, good. My memory is good. Memory is still sharp. Uh, so everything is, uh, looks like the return of sports is happening, Kevin. Well, we're going to break down everything uh, coming up uh, during this last segment. But uh, as of this recording, uh, we're going to start off with the Chicago Bears. Mitchell Trubisky was on the conference call with the, some of the local reporters via Zoom. And the one takeaway that came out of that uh, press conference today was that uh, one of the reporters asked him what was his feeling when Nick Foles was traded uh, to the Bears earlier this offseason for a conditional fourth-round pick. And Trubisky's quote was that he was uh, ticked off, but he, he still said he's going to do everything in his power to help the Bears win. We all know that this upcoming 2020 season is important, not just for him, but for head coach Matt Nagy and GM Brian Pace. I want to ask you about Trubisky, uh, Kevin. Uh, how important is this season for him upcoming for 2020? Well, it career path it basically dictates that in some ways um you know as you mentioned they didn't pick up the fifth year option and and they trade for nick Foles. i thought mitch trubisky said all the right things today in, in the press conference that's what you want to hear from your quarterback right i mean you don't want him to say mm -hmm. I'm, I'm thrilled they traded for nick Foles. you do want to be a little upset but i think he's self-aware enough he he was willing to admit that yeah he hasn't played as well as a second pick in the first round needs to play. If you're a franchise quarterback, you have to be better than that. I thought the Bears made a right move trading for Nick Foles. It applies pressure to Mitch Trubisky. It creates competition. When was the last time we had a true quarterback competition with the Chicago Bears? Like really a true competition. And we're going to have that when training camp breaks, whenever it does break. Um, so I thought that he said all the right things. It's what you want to hear out of your quarterback. Should you be thrilled that your team the team that drafted you traded for a quarterback, not exactly, but if you should be able to understand why they did it. He was not very good last year. A lot of is on him, but you can you can look at a lot of different things. If you want to look at Matt Nagy's play calling, you can certainly look at the offensive line. I'm not making excuses for Mitch Trubisky. It's not dismissing his poor play by any means. He needs to be better. Um, but I, I thought what he said today made sense, and I thought he said the right things, and he should be motivated by it, and I'm – you know, some people, when they traded for Nick Foles, were convinced that that meant the end of Mitch Trubisky. And I, I'm not convinced that's the case. I really don't. I think they have so much invested in Trubisky that ideally Trubisky is your week one starter. I think the upside for Mitch Trubisky in terms of talent is much higher than a Nick Foles. There's a reason Nick Foles is on, was this his fifth team, sixth team? Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Not necessarily knock on Nick Foles. I mean, he's been in situations where he's come in and he's won a Super Bowl. So... It, I think for me, the way I can see if Nick Foles does play, 
I could see Trubisky starting week one, maybe it's week two, week three, depending on how he plays. If he doesn't play well, I, I think there's a very short leash on Trubisky this year. And then you put Nick Foles in, who's been in this situation before. He's had success in that situation before where he, had, he does have to come in and help an offense. He, he knows Matt Nagy's system. So um, I'm not completely writing off Mitch Trubisky. I still think he's the favorite to start week one. Um, but to your initial uh, point, uh, Cindy, I, I, I thought that Mitch said all the right things today in the press conference. It'll be because, interesting. Uh, uh, no, go ahead. Go ahead, Lakita. No, no, I'll no, say <laughs> see, go ahead. See, this, this is our banter, Kevin, as you can see. Uh, <laughs> go ahead, Sid. No, I just wanted to say off to that point, uh, we've been saying on this show that that uh, the Bears were going to play it safe and bring in the quarterback to challenge Mitch Trubisky, but not threaten his starting position uh, so much because they all want him to succeed because it all falls on the shoulders of general manager Ryan Pace at the end of the day because of the moves that he had to, to maneuver to go get Trubisky leaping over a couple of, of draft picks to go get him. Now, I was, I've been saying on this show that I thought the Bears should have picked up uh, Cam Newton, but the Bears throughout their history, they always choose to uh, do what's the safest safest bet for their franchise. And, and, and the Nick Foles trade was a perfect example of that. I really thought that Cam Newton would come in there, basically be the start. Let's be honest, even with Newton's injury history the last couple of years when healthy, He's better than Trubisky. Like you said, Kevin, uh, the Bears are going to give every last opportunity for Mitch to, to succeed because let's be honest here, if he doesn't this year, GM Ryan Pace's job on the line and head coach Matt Nagy's job will be on the line as well. Yeah, I, 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 I'm I, with you there. I, I don't know why there wasn't – Kim Newton's still not signed, right? Did I miss right. that? Was no, Kim, no, he's not signed. So, you know, and, and to what I was saying about – them not and to your point them not exactly being done with Trubisky and to people completely buying into the Nick Foles as a week one starter if that was the case if they were truly ready if they were truly done with Mitch Trubisky why wouldn't they sign a Cam Newton and why there were reports that the that the Bears offered a similar deal to Teddy Bridgewater who ended up going to the Panthers and the report was that Bridgewater wanted to, wanted to know he was the starter and if even if they offer the same amount of money as the Panthers, and if that is the case, and, and Bridgewater chose the Panthers over the Bears because he knew he had the starting position, if you're the Bears and you're done with Trubisky, don't you just tell Bridgewater, hey, this is the money we're gonna we're gonna match the Panthers, and you're a week one starter? Wouldn't they have done that? So when I saw that, I'm like, well, that that doesn't that shows me they're not done with Trubisky. That shows me that they're still willing mm -hmm. to give him a shot. That yeah, that's the thing that kind of will always sort of irks me. That's the thing that will always irks me, Kevin, is that that they didn't really, you know, think about maybe perhaps going with Bridgewater or for maybe even, you know, talk to Cam Newton or Deshaun Watson. Listen, that's still I'm still petty about that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. That <laughs> I will still be petty about it to this day. I'm sorry. But uh I want to talk about the defensive side though, because you know, they they you know they brought in Robert Quinn. How good this defense the Bears can be? Because the Bears were still like in the top 15, top 20, but they were like in the top five a couple of years ago. So do you see them perhaps maybe getting back to that, that top tier defenses? Yeah, and I thought the defense played really well last year too. I mean, it felt like they were on the field all the time. It felt like all the pressure was on them. It felt like every single possession for the, for the defense for the Bears, it felt like a, a must stop. Like you had to get a stop or a turnover because the offense wasn't, wasn't going to perform or produce anything. 
that's going to take its toll on on the defense. I, I still think this is a top five defense in the NFL. I mean, it's absolutely stacked. Robert Quinn's coming off a double digit sack year, had a huge year. Um, you add him to the mix. Leonard Floyd never turned out to be the player we all hoped for as a first round pick. So they made the right move. They moved on from him and they got a legit veteran pass rusher. You still have talent all over the field. I still think Roquan Smith hasn't even touched his potential. I think he has all pro talent. He has the speed. He has all the ability to do what you want to do in, in a modern day football linebacker where you can run with guys. You can play against a run. You can go sideline to sideline. You can pretty much do everything. Um, you have Eddie Jackson who make a case, best safety in the NFL, right? At least top top three, top yeah. five. Kyle mm-hmm. Fuller still really good. Couple holes, couple question marks in the secondary this offseason, but I thought they addressed it, and uh, there'll be some competition there. But I, I think this defense, look, if Akeem Hicks stays healthy, keep in mind how many games did he miss last year? Eight, ten, if not more, yeah. more than that. So um, we all talk about Mac, and we talk about Eddie Jackson. I, I don't know if there's a more important player on that defense. If they really, if they want to be an elite defense, if they want to be dominant, then Akeem Hicks. He swallows up the entire interior of the line he's dominant so if he stays healthy and and Roquan makes some strides and Danny Trevathan does his thing I I I have no reason to believe this isn't a top five defense in the NFL Kevin Powell from WGN Real he's a sports anchor reporter joining us here on Sega City Sports along with Lakeena McGee I am Sydney Brown Kevin let's go back to that Bears offense it took head coach Matt Nagy until at least the middle of last year in that Los Angeles Chargers game where we saw then rookie running back David Montgomery finally get going and he had to depend on that running game, uh, especially after the injury to Mitchell Trubisky's uh, shoulder. Uh, how much do you think that David Montgomery will get? How much action do you think he'll get in year two of his campaign? Do you think that head coach Matt Nagel will incorporate the running game just a little bit more, at least have a balance between the running game and the passing game here in 2020? Yeah, it's it's a good question. I think at times Matt Nagy got a little stubborn when it came to running the ball. In his defense, there was really never anything there from the offensive line when they did run the ball. David Montgomery needs more touches, though, bottom bottom line. I mean, this I have no reason to believe he's not a feature running back, a guy that can pretty much do it all out of the backfield. I think they're okay at the running back position. And, look, when you got – they had nothing going on offense. And and when you're falling behind and you got to start – you got to stick to the passing game and Mitch Trubisky's not playing well. The offensive line isn't. It's tough to get into a rhythm as an offense. So I, I see where Matt Nagy's coming from, where he talks about you're not just going to keep handing off and say you ran the ball 30 times. You do have to feel out a game and feel out the rhythm and pace. And mm. There's a million things that go into it. So, look, David Montgomery can get the ball 10 times and, and have a massive impact on the game. He can get the ball 30 times and have minimal impact. It just depends on the way the game is playing out. But I, I think they, they really need to focus on finding a way to get David Montgomery the ball and figuring out the run game. That, that, was, that was a concern. Look, every offensive statistic you look at from the Bears offense last year, bottom two, bottom three of the league, no matter which way you put it, if you want to look at advanced numbers or just your traditional uh, categories, they were awful top to bottom. And I think it does start with the offensive line. Of course, it starts with Mitch. But um, to your point about Montgomery, it's uh, – Get him the ball more. I would love to see more David Montgomery this year. How about how about Allen Robinson? Do you think he's you know? We, listen, we've seen him primed up ever since he's he's came to the Bears. How big of a season do you think Allen Robinson will have? 
Well, I think he proved that he's a number one receiver, and he didn't make the Pro Bowl, and people were upset about that. I go, well, he should have got consideration for all pro. I mean, you look at his numbers yeah. and how bad that offense was. I don't know how he – he cracked over 1,000 yards receiving. I don't know how anybody – I don't know how a receiver pulls that off in that offense. Uh, every single game last year, I was just in awe of the way he played. It, he just brought it every single week. He proved that he's top receiver in the NFL. And from what he said this offseason, he still thinks he, he, his, his best playing days are ahead of him. So um, just like everything else I said, when it comes to the offense, just like you got to get Montgomery the ball, you got to get Allen Robinson the ball too. And if for a young quarterback, you want to have that go-to guy, right? Like think about Aaron Rodgers. He always had a go-to guy, like a third and long. It always seems like he would find a way to get it to his number one receiver to pick up that first down in a crucial moment. That should be the security blanket for Mitch, should be Allen Robinson. When he needs to find somebody, it should be Allen Robinson. But other guys have to produce as well. I, st I still think Alan, Anthony Miller has a ton of talent. I don't think they're done with him. I don't think they've touched the surface with his potential either. I'm still, I'm still all in on him. Um, so, and the tight end position, of course, too, with Cole Komet. They brought in a whole bunch of guys at that position. But I I'm a huge fan of Allen Robinson. I think he's one of the best in the NFL. And find a way to, find a way to get him the ball as well. Yeah, I was going to ask you, Kevin, about uh, Anthony Mill before we move on to the broader issues in the National Football League. Of course, now Anthony Mill is going to his third year out of uh, Memphis. Of course, his first two years, we saw potential, but uh, he had uh, injury issues, in particular with, with his shoulders. So how important is 2020 for him? Do you think he puts it all together, assuming that he stays healthy? I, I hope so, because I think he can – be an impactful player on that offense. He kind of reminds me of a Steve Smith type player where he's kind of nasty out there and he <laughs> barks a little bit at, at, at his opponents. I love his attitude and he's a confident guy. Um, I hope they find a way to incorporate him into the offense more because I think there's a ton of talent there. Um, and again, I mean, that's a guy, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure they moved up in the second round to take him yeah. uh, a few years ago. So yeah. that's obviously a guy they're very high on. Huge production at Memphis. You look at his numbers crazy good so um i just to answer your question i hope they get him the ball more i love watching the guy play and i'd like to see the ball in his hand now going to the broader issues of the national football league of course um, um the african-american athletes along with the, most of the white players in, in all sports but in particular in the national football league have been voicing out their concerns for racial um in racial injustice and uh, racial diversity of course, after the murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis from a couple weeks ago, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell sent out a video last week um, saying that the, the National Football League would do uh, things better to, uh, to set up programs to help um, racial diversity and fight uh, racial injustice. And, of course, the, the criticism uh, for him uh, kept coming up was, uh, you're trying to clean up your because of what happened four years ago when you had a player named Colin Kaepernick who knelt the, uh, during the national anthem, and all the owners colluded to uh, not sign him. Of course, uh, we all know what happened with the lawsuit, and Kaepernick uh, settled and took some money from the league. I wanted to ask you a two-part question. One, what did you think about Roger Goodell's message uh, to the players? And number two, do you think Colin Ka Kaepernick gets back in the league? Uh, it's a step forward from Roger Goodell coming out and saying that. An apology to Colin Kaepernick would be nice, too. Um, uh, look, I'll be the first to admit, 
was I a little hesitant or uneasy about him kneeling during the anthem? Probably a little. I'm willing to admit that. But in hindsight, like, is there anything more American than what he did? Protesting during the anthem. That's his right. He should be able to do that. I can't believe – like, I feel like sports being on pause and our normal day-to-day lives being on pause has given everybody a different perspective on all of this. I know it has for me. And people need to let their guard down a little bit right? And, and just accept and, and, and realize and open their eyes to what's going on. I, I think in, in, a, in a way, it's, I'm happy sports aren't going on right now. I know that sounds crazy. I, I work in sports. It's my job. Right. But there are bigger things at hand here. And I think it's given people the opportunity to do some self-reflection and self-awareness and be like, okay, th- let's, let's move forward here. Let's try to do something. I think a lot of people are thinking that instead of looking at your Twitter timeline, seeing some photos, thinking to yourself, that's horrible, that's sad. Oh, and then you turn, turn on the game and you distract yourself. I don't think we need a distraction with sports right now. I don't. I think it's a time where we do need, we do need to all kind of take a step back and realize what, what is important and what we all need to do. Because people say, oh, I want sports as a distraction. Well, yeah, in some cases, in your regular day life, maybe you need a distraction from work or whatever is going on in your life. But when it comes to something like racial injustices, like, this is a good opportunity for everybody to, to really consume it differently and digest what's going on in America and the world. So to your question about Roger Goodell, I'm glad that he came out and said all that. Um, Colin Kaepernick back in the NFL. Look, we're, we were just talking about Bears quarterback situation. Wouldn't it have been nice to have Colin Kaepernick on the Bears for the last four or five years? I think yeah. he probably would have yeah. performed a little better than anybody else they've put under center. Um, I, hope, I hope so. I hope so. Because you know what? We're gonna, in five, ten years, even a year from now, we're all going to look back and just think how silly and dumb it all was that people questioned Colin Kaepernick. That a man tried to protest and make his voice heard during the national anthem. Mm-hmm. So, um, just like anything, right? It's like you look back at all any, any athlete who's spoken out, I mean, people judge and point fingers right away. Like, look at Muhammad Ali. We look at him right now. You go back and it's like the same fight that we're having today. And people judged him then. Oh, he's just talking. He's just, he was trying to progress society and, and humanity as, as people. Mm-hmm. I know I'm getting a little deep here, but it's like we're, we keep repeating the same thing over and over and over. So at first, people look at someone protesting, and the first thing they do is point fingers and judge. Why? Because it makes them uncomfortable. That's the point of a protest, in my opinion. Make people yeah. uncomfortable. Yeah, exactly. People make people think about it and bring awareness to the situation. Um, so uh, that was a long way of answering your question. I, I think Roger Goodell, I'm glad he came out and said something, but um, Colin Kaepernick back in the NFL, I, I, don't, I hope so in some capacity. I mean, as sad as it is to say, like, let's say in 10 years, the NFL, we, we move forward, and the NFL looks itself in the mirror and says, that was really dumb what we did to Colin Kaepernick. Let's bring him back and have a ceremony for him or whatever it is instead of just doing something right now. I mean, the guy's career was clearly cut short because he kneeled during the anthem. Also, like the nuance of it, of everything. You see Drew Brees, his initial comments, but then he kind of walked back. You know, his wife actually took it a step further and say, hey, you know what, we're the problem. You know, I'm, I'm very happy with that. Vic Fangio and some of his comments, he actually ended up marching along with his players in Denver last weekend. So I think seeing, you know, people understanding and people listening and talking and, you know, you, you catch yourself in that as well, Kevin, that 
I think that helps a little bit that people are kind of talking about it and learning from it and, pe and people are being more nuanced of what's going on in the world that what we've been talking about all this time. Yeah, and, and less hesitant or afraid to talk about it for whatever reason. I think, look, I'll, I'll admit to it. I mean, like you have to, at some point, you're going to have to think of it differently. You know, if for so for so often you see a protest and then we see some rioting and looting. And my my first thought will be, well, why would you why would you damage that? Why would you destroy your town? But that's losing sight of what actually matters. That's not the way I should have been thinking of it all. I should have thought of how how much passion and how much pain they're going through, whoever it may be, for whatever issue, instead of thinking about it or judging and pointing fingers. It, it for sure is. It's been such a, a, a interesting time, and as crazy as 2020, everybody keeps talking about how bad the year is. Yeah, it's bad, but I feel like we're going to make some, some serious progress here. As and I hope I hope we do. Maybe that's just wishful thinking, but I I, I just really think people are um, are I, I think the viewpoints for a lot of people has changed, um, mostly for for white people. <laughs> I think a lot of white people are thinking of it differently. Um, you know, um, it's, it's, I don't want to say it's a good thing, right? But because lives have been lost in, in a horrendous way, but I, I do, and maybe this is just optimistic, Kevin, I, I feel like we've had some momentum here as a country and as people that we can, we can move forward. And I think, and I think it starts with, yeah, we can, we can put money into certain groups and, and, and do all that and, and protest and all that, but it's the way people actually feel and feel think and go about their day-to-day -day life and how they treat others and not just how you, you treat someone but how you think about other people right because we all because mm -hmm. you can go to your day-to-day -day life and be cordial and nice to people and tell yourself you're not racist but you might have had a thought in your head or thought a certain way about somebody instead of you know like I, I think people are are, are going to change the way they they view they view life the way they go about um, you know treating people and having compassion for others and speaking of change, Kevin, uh, the news came out earlier this week that NASCAR, which is based in the South, even though they have events all across the country, uh, they're going to remove the Confederate flag from their status or from their premises. And, um, and, and one of the few African-American drivers, Bubba Wallace, has a Black, Mo Black Lives Matter logo on his car. Uh, what do you think this does for NASCAR? Do you think that, that it, it's a step towards positive change? Or do you think it will bring more African-American, uh, potential African-American uh, fans and fans of other ethnic groups to, to its sport? Um, it's a good question. It, uh, I, don't, I don't know if it would bring more to this sport. I mean, first of all, anybody who's upset about the Confederate flag being banned from a sporting event, like, it's the Confederate flag. Well, why the hell do we need it at a sporting <laughs> event at anything? Why do we even need the flag? So I, I saw... I saw one driver said he's bailing on NASCAR. <laughs> the guy has a whopping zero championships in his, in his illustrious career. So I think they'll be just fine with that. Um, uh, good, good move by NASCAR. Glad they did it. No need for that flag, flag to be anywhere. Um, I, I don't know. You probably give a give better answer than I can. I hope it does. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a very, uh, it's, it's all white drivers pretty much. So um I hope it brings some sort of good change to it. And uh, it seems like everybody's on board with this, you know, with moving forward and, and NASCAR doing it. I thought it was a good thing. So get rid of those stupid flags. 
Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, yeah. I think Dale Jr. I think offered, you know, said something about it a few years ago, but he said nobody listened to him at the time. I think having Bubba Wallace, who is one, who is the only African-American driver in the main NASCAR circuit, I think, I'm sure he expressed his concerns. I mean, Jimmy Johnson, I think, was one of the few drivers that actually had Af have African-American people in, the, in his pit crew. So I, I think hopefully this will be a start of a good direction for uh, NASCAR and you know, for more fans to come and watch the races because I'm a big I've been a big NASCAR fan for years. So hopefully I think getting rid of that flag will definitely help them turn the page and be more inclusive because I know that's what, especially in NASCAR, that's what they want to do. So hopefully this will help. I mean, I, I think that Confederate, I, I don't understand why they, people say it's part of history. Well, it's not a good part of the history book. So I, I don't know why people think that's a good, part about it like I don't I don't get it but okay <laughs> right not all history is all that great <laughs> from the history <laughs> of the, right I mean part of history but as you said not uh not it's gonna be interesting to see because Talladega next weekend is yeah. allowing fans in 5,000 fans I think most uh gonna gonna be interesting to see if if NASCAR walks the walk right they can say they're yeah. banning mm -hmm. the flag so what happens if there's a handful of people in the stands in talladega with the flag what are they going to do so how are they going to enforce that that's something that's going to be interesting to see and how much they actually they can say they ban the flag i mean how much are they going to enforce it we'll, we'll see how that goes down but uh yeah that it, talladega opens up uh next weekend for five thousand fans so we'll see how that plays out Yes. Kevin Powell, sports anchor, reporter from WGN Radio. You can hear him on the Road Con Show. He joins us right here on Second City Sports Zoom style, along with Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Brown. Kevin, let's move over to some baseball. Uh, <laughs> they're supposed to be playing right now, but uh, as I've been saying on the show for the last few weeks, you got the owners and players fighting each other all over money, but they're fighting like five-year-old kids. They're fighting like cats and dogs. Can you make sense of all this? And, and are you optimistic or pessimistic of having baseball in 2020? They're going to play. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know how many games. It's so disappointing. Um, you know, adding adding a wrinkle to all of it is the fact that the, C the CBA expires after next year. And unfortunately, like the timing – no one's going to want to budge an inch on any negotiations because it's going to get brought up next year when negotiations for a new CBA. And I know that sounds, nobody wants to hear that, but that's the truth. And it's baseball and there's always contentious labor negotiations. Uh, frankly, it just sucks. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's just to put it uh, bluntly. Um, I don't know how many games. I guess it sounds like 60-ish, maybe up to 89. Um, sounds like we could have an agreement or an announcement soon. It could just come down to Rob Manfred making a decision. It just seems like every, every proposal from the owners is basically the same initial proposal, just skewed a little bit differently, right? They just, they just try to mask it as something different, but it seems to be the same thing. Look, I get all sides. Nobody wants to budge, but it's it's the old billionaires versus millionaires, and I know that's cliche, but it, it really does kind of come down to that when considering where where we're at. And the, the initial agreement that came in March, like so, yeah, the players have a case. You guys said full prorated salaries, but also there's some language in that agreement that says we can. It essentially says like we can. This will resurface down the road. We can all act and negotiate in quote good faith. 
you open the door for the owners. Don't put that in language. Good faith, what does right. that mean? The owners are going to stretch that as much as they can. Um, yeah, you know what? I, I, I wish I had a better answer for you. As I, I'd just be guessing at this point as to how long the season's going to be, how it's going to look like. Where are they playing? Are they playing regionals? Is everybody at their home ballpark? What about particular state guidelines, restrictions? We're already seeing some states are having um, another, I shouldn't say surge, but we're seeing numbers rise for, for COVID in some states. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the owners said they don't want to play in November because of um, you know that second wave of, of COVID-19 that could wipe out postseason play, and that's where some serious money is in, in, in playoffs. So I think you'll see, excuse me, um, probably some sort of expanded playoffs because that will really inject some more money into what has been lost from all of these games. So we'll probably see some sort of expanded playoff. And look, I love the 162-game season. I was just talking to somebody about this yesterday. Like, people want, oh, let's trim off 12, 15, 20 games. That's not going to do a whole bunch. The, the beauty of 162 games is, is it's the ebb and flows of a season. It, 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 it normally will prove who is the best team. 16-game NFL seasons are awesome because it's one game a week and it's insane. Mm-hmm. But there are some seasons that some teams are, have fluky years, right? They, it, things can go a lot. 162-game season, you're, you're rarely, for the, for the most part, you, you're going to have the best teams in the postseason. Right, because it, yeah. because it is so many games, it is so long, so it does weed out the bad teams compared to the good teams. So, um, I will say though, if it's like a sixty-game season, even an eighty-game season, these games are going to be intense. <laughs> I yeah. mean, oh yeah, you know, if you have if you have one two bad weeks, you could be in some serious trouble. So, they could be some pretty intense games, and then and then factoring into okay, what are, what's the roster situation? Yep. I know people are referring to it as taxi clubs or um, basically a team on standby in, 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 some, in some ways. You know, and even with the draft this week, I'm like, okay, well, how, how is this going to impact service time for players? Like, what if, what if you could bring in, like, your top – like, if the Cubs wanted to bring in Ed Howard for a few games, like, how would that affect mm-hmm. when it can't contractually his service time? Um, will they factor those things in? There's still a million things to figure out exactly what they're going to do. But yes, it's it's a bummer to see these guys duke it out when the rest of the world's just trying to stay afloat and trying to have a job and trying to go about your everyday life. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know what it's going to look like. I, I like I said, I'd probably just be guessing when it's in terms of games. But I I do think we will hear something within the next few days at the end of next week at the very latest. But um, yeah, I'm I'm missing baseball too, guys. <laughs> well, they did have their draft. Uh, you know, it's actually still going on. Um, Ed Howard, who was the standout for the Jackie Robinson West team a few years back, he was sort of like that. That he actually stuck stuck with it. You know, became a Sodom star. Montcarmo was, I guess, it says, that's his Mister Illinois baseball just last year. You know, he's committed to Oklahoma. I know the White Sox. I've heard like some White. I know. I don't know. I know you probably wanted him to play. I know Kevin. You. I know you're a White Sox fan. I know you want him on this team too. How did you guys feel about that? Your rivals, your crosstown rivals, were able to snatch him up. Even the White Sox didn't pass him though. To be fair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's um. First of all, it's an awesome story. I mean, yeah. local kids staying home in Chicago. It was uh, somebody pulled some video from um, 
when Jackie Robinson West, they had a big uh, a rally for them at Millennium Park. I don't know if you guys remember that, but there was yeah, a bunch yeah. of baseball. You know, Hawk Harrelson was there, and yep. Ken Williams was there, and, and Theo Epstein was there, too. And uh, I'm sure you guys saw this, but he was joking with Ed Howard. He said, yeah. you know, you're on the right path, go to college and do this, and then maybe we'll draft you back in 2023. Now, Ed Howard didn't need college to develop. He clearly is one of the best players in the country. So I thought that was actually really cool to see that. So to see Ed <laughs> Howard stay local, um, you know, covering both teams in town, it's, I'm just, I'm, I hope to be able to, you know, have good conversations with him and watch him play at Wrigley quite a bit. So um, I don't know. Does, how White Sox fans necessarily feel about it. I, I just think it's a it's a cool story. And he just seems like such a great guy too. Everybody I've talked to that's that's spoken with him says, I know he he seems much more mature than I was when I was 18. That's for sure. So I uh <laughs> I, I'm I'm pull, I'm pulling for him. It sounds like he's a stud defensively, maybe work on a few things with the bat, but uh I think um he's got a good future ahead. Yeah, so sure as a Sox fan, I wanted to see him in their uniform too. But yeah, yeah he's on the north side, and we, we wish him the best. Uh, staying with the White Sox, Kevin, as you mentioned, uh, for our listeners, uh, WGN Radio 720 is the radio flagship station for the Chicago White Sox. And during early in spring training, we, we lost a legend and broadcaster, Ed Farmer. Um, like you mentioned before, you covered uh, the White Sox clubhouse for years. And I know you had some inter- interactions with Mr. Farmer. Tell us your memories and your interactions with the late great Sox legend. I got a chance to know him the past couple of years. I felt like I knew him much longer than that. He was such a welcoming man. His studio at Guaranteed Raid, his, his broadcast booth, it was like a mini party every single game. You'd walk past and there was almost like a line of people out the door because he would bring people in. The way his, his booth is set up, it was it's almost two tiers. So where they're sitting, it's actually down a few steps. So above him, there's, you know, the uh, engineer. And um, he had like a table and a cooler back there. And people would just be rolling through. But he was someone you could have just a great conversation with. I, I didn't I didn't know him all that well until we started carrying the games two or three years ago. So doing some pregame and postgame stuff, I had a chance to talk to him and get to know him. And um, I remember, I think it was just like the second time I talked with him. I was just, it was... It was a, uh, it was a Sunday game, so things had kind of wrapped up. Ballparks kind of closing up, probably four or five o'clock on a Sunday, and just just shooting the breeze about a few things. And the guy was just a machine. Everything he dealt with medically, and his knees were were kind of banged up too from um, everything he's been through. And he, he's like, I'm gonna go play. I'm gonna go try to play 18 at Coghill right now. I'm like, it's five o'clock on a Sunday. You just called the game. You've been at the ballpark. So he was just always going going and I'm like oh, I love golf you know I'm a golfer as well he's like great we'll play sometime so he he was just such a um such a nice guy and he, I know it does sound a bit cliche but it, it's one of those guys where you meet him once and you feel like you you build a bond immediately and and you you build some sort of relationship with him immediately so that's how I felt about Ed Farmer and growing up as a White Sox fan listening to him I, I loved Ed Farmer I, Ed, Ed was like had this certain sense of humor to him that if you if if you didn't really get it you kind of missed it but he was hysterical he would drop in little yeah. liners and stuff <laughs> and, you know he kind of had that dry humor you know that maybe if you're just casually listening you might not pick up on or if you don't know him that well but he was funny I I loved him with um John Rooney and Ed Farmer that was one of my favorite uh, yes yeah one of my favorite tandems I thought Rooney great at play-by-play and Farmer just dropping in some stuff here and there and um it's so sad and it's it's crazy too. 
was that two months? That feels like it was two years ago during all this. You know, right. it's hard to, yeah. it's feel, this has felt like one long day of, of, of bad news and all that. But I, yeah, just so fortunate to have gotten to know him just even a little bit. I know many could probably speak better on, on Ed than I can, but it's, uh, it was so sad. And he was um, just such a nice guy, such a nice guy. Yeah, as I tweeted out before on my social media pages, uh, if you truly believe he has a better seat to watch this White Sox turnaround because uh, I, uh, speaking so selfishly as a fan, as you will know, Kevin, following my stuff on social media, uh, the change is coming for the White Sox. and It's just not a matter of it, but when they hopefully win it all very soon because this team on the field, uh, uh, it, it has some promising uh, young pieces in Tim Anderson, Lucas Giolito, and Eloy Jimenez, who almost missed a couple of months of last year, but he showed some promise. So hopefully things can come together. Hopefully they'll get a season this year, but things are looking, uh, the future is uh, looking bright on the South side. So much hype going into the season, so much excitement, and then pandemic comes to, to ruin it all. It's like, come on, they finally <laughs> figured it out. Uh, I, I think, um, I think what they've got, they have a core that could really be a contender for, and look, I mean, we Cubs won the world series in 16. We thought they were going to win another one. And now it's starting to look like, well, you know, I, I'm not, I, I think the Cubs, even before all this, I thought the Cubs were going to compete for their division too. I thought they just felt like that. I thought they still, they still have a ton of talent on that team, but it's, it's so difficult to win. And I mean, look at the Dodgers, how good of teams they've had for the past four or five years, and they still haven't gotten one. Um, so this isn't me saying it's a lock they're going to win one, but I, I don't see how this team uh, – I mean, we don't know still, right? Because this is, this is something – people buy into prospects because it's, it's the old possibilities versus probabilities, right? We don't think about mm -hmm. the, prob the probability for most prospects in any sport is that they're probably not going to pan out to what we hope them to be. But the possibility of this current White Sox team mm – -hmm. dream if you're a White Sox fan. I mean, if all these guys hit their top potential – Michael Kopech turns, if Giolito continues to pitch the way he did last year, um, uh, Dylan Cease, we, we know all the names at this point. But if all these guys do make, make progress, and that's no guarantee, especially in baseball, right? We, we never know. Um, what, why wouldn't this team be a competitor for the next three to five years, right? I mean, they have control on all these guys contractually for, you know, for, for quite some time, for at least the majority of the core. Yoel Moncada. I mean, this, he's another guy who probably hasn't even hit his full potential. He made a monster year last year. You know, you could make a case he's top, one of the best top three third basemen in, in the American League. He um, should have been an all-star last year. Yeah, yeah should have been. I'm with, I'm with you. I, I think he could be uh, a guy who's in that MV, legitimate MVP conversation. He's got all the tools to do it. So, And Nick Madrigal and Andrew Vaughn. I mean, the list goes on. So we never know because guys might not pan out and injuries happen and weird things happen. But if you look on paper and where these guys project, go crazy, White Sox fans. This is, this is going to be a fun few years, whenever they do start playing. Yeah, yeah that's the key, having them start playing. <laughs> when are we going to have this playing? But So let's go to the hardwood for a second, talk some uh, Bulls and NBA Bulls. We're unfortunately, we're not invited to play the tournament-style thing that the NBA is doing in Florida. That will be coming up in a few months. So what what changes – we saw the change at the top with – our our tour is Kronishevis, and of course, uh, they got a new GM, Mark Everly. So, what do you what do you think? Does Jim Bo does Jim Boylan somehow keep his job? And what other changes do you think the Bulls will have coming up? 
if Jim Boylan keeps his job, that would be very disappointing. And I don't mean to take a shot at Jim, Boy at Jim Boylan. If Jim Boylan keeps his job because Michael Reinsdorf, let's say, lobbies for him to keep him or John Paxson throws his voice in there, that, that would be disappointing because I was under the impression that bringing Karnishevis in was a new voice and it was his team to run. So if you have people over his head before he even really starts to make changes trying to implement who the head coach is, doesn't that defeat the entire purpose of this this restart or this rebuild or, mm -hmm. you know, this fresh voice and a whole new basketball operations. If, if, if ownership or whoever it may be does come in and tell Karnishevis that you have to keep Jim Boylan, that defeats the whole purpose of bringing in Karnishevis. How is that any different than having Gar Pax running the team? That, that would be very frustrating to see if, if, if Karnishevis wants to keep Jim Boylan and he truly does. Okay. It's, it's, it's his team. But if, if somebody above Karnishevis says you, you have to keep Jim Boylan, that would be discouraging. That would, that would very, that would be, that would be not good because that would, like I said, that would defeat the whole idea of bringing in Karnishevis where it was a completely uh, new, fresh basketball operations. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, Kevin. Of course, the Bulls fans' uh, voices were heard during All-Star Weekend, of course, on first take. And when Zach Levine was on the program with Stephen A. Smith, and, uh, <laughs> yep. and then uh, the Shannon fired Gar Pax three times before they were hushed to their, <laughs> hushed to their knees. <laughs> and, of course, the United Center has been, I don't want to say empty, empty, but, you know, fans uh, started not showing up for the last couple of years. So I'm with you, Kevin, that if Karnishvis has other people in his ear, uh, he's not allowed to do what he was brought here to do. That's going to be a problem. That's going to set the Bulls franchise back for who knows how how, how much longer they, they need to they want to become a playoff contender. Exactly. I, I hope this is a new page in the in the in the Bulls history book where Karnishevis does come in and put the Bulls on the right track. It's um, the past few years for the Bulls just so deflating. So deflating. <laughs> <laughs> He's I mean, kindly. <laughs> yes, you try to be nice here, kids. <laughs> I mean, there's some games, not necessarily last year. I think the year, like, I'm like, who are these guys? I don't even know who's on the court right now. You know, it's like, um, it's the Chicago Bulls. We're fresh off the last dance. Just watching that just made me so hungry to watch competitive Bulls basketball. I know we had a few years there with Derek, and that was fun. This town goes crazy for the Bulls because of the legacy that Jordan has, and this town just loves basketball. It's a basketball. It's, this is a sports town. We love all of our sports, let's be honest. Mm -hmm. But people love basketball in this town. Um, but I, it, like you said, Cindy, I, I just really, really hope they tell Karnishvis, do exactly what you want to your team when it comes to basketball operations. If they're in his ear, that, that would be um, – that would again to use the word deflating. It would be deflating. So I just hope it's a I hope it's a fresh voice and a fresh uh, chapter in Bulls history. All right. Before we move on to hockey, I want to ask you quickly. Uh, uh, speaking of the Bulls in in the history, um, give us your thoughts about the Last da Dance documentary that aired on ESPN last month. I know you uh, not to uh, not to put your age out there, Kevin, but. Well, I think we can all say as a group that we grew up in the Michael Jordan era. We saw this franchise go from the bottom to the top, and it was nice to see from, from a different perspective. And since this team, uh, is, is, since the current team is not good, we, you know, when you witness history, you don't appreciate it as much. When you look back on it, it's like, wow, what a wonderful time that was. And 
in history of the city and of Chicago sports and the history of the NBA. I wanted to get your thoughts about the Last Dance documentary, which should have been called Michael Jordan's Last Dance, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's, that's a good point. It, you know, for me, okay, so I'm 31, right? Born in 89, really don't remember the first three. Got a, got a taste of the last three, but I, it was like just when you kind of start realizing how much you love sports and you're really getting into it, and then it was over. So, like, I remember celebrating the championships, and I always say you go, I go back and look at pictures with my brothers, my sister, back, like, in the night. All of us are wearing a Bulls jersey, a Bulls hat, a Bulls mm -hmm. t-shirt. I mean, they were, they were the biggest thing on the planet, and it was in our own backyard. We, my parents used to drop us off at the Berto Center, and we'd post up at the gate trying to get autographs, watch Michael Jordan fly by in his Corvette. Um, so I, I got a taste of it, and then it was over, right? It was, like, just awful Bulls basketball for the next well, however long, you know, five, six, seven years. So for me to relive it and see some things, um, I, I, I just absolutely loved it. I mean, nostalgia, um, seeing and – I, and I definitely – I feel like for me it humanized Jordan a little bit more where he is this, this – mm -hmm. I almost hate to say this, but it is like a godlike figure, right? It's Michael Jordan. It's unbelievable to me. It's like the director, Jason Hare, I was listening to an interview he did, and somebody was asking about the first time he had met Jordan. And the way Jason Hare put it, he was like, it was like meeting Santa Claus. Because you know Santa Claus, you know, Santa Claus, you know all about Santa Claus. You're you're all about it. He's in your life during Christmas and all that, but you never really expect to meet Santa Claus. So that's kind of the way he put it. And I'm like, yeah, that that makes sense to me. Like it's Michael, Michael Jordan. He was so I had minimum two posters on my wall growing up with Michael Jordan. So um, to me, it humanized him a little bit, though. And and I, you know, when people say, oh, he was a jerk, even before this this documentary, like, oh, he was just this and that to teammates. I go. Yeah, that's why he's the greatest. That's why, he, <laughs> that's why he won six championships. This is professional sports. Put the feelings aside for a second and focus on winning. And wh whatever Jordan did, he did it right, right? I mean, what else could he have done? He won six titles. And yeah, if he ran a few people, you know, rubbed a few people the wrong way, so be it. The guy goes down as the best basketball player ever. Um, please don't ask me to debate LeBron versus Michael. I really don't want to do that. No, I don't either. You, you I don't either. You'll get from us. No, no, it's okay. All right, good. We're all, we're all on the same page then. So I, yep. <laughs> um, I loved it. I thought it was so well done. Um, the only thing I wish we had a little bit more of was just some of those random behind the scene locker room stuff, you know, just like the guys hanging out and all that, because we see Jordan, Michael Jordan's always been on our screens for everybody's life forever in some capacity right whether it's his shoes or a highlight or this or that so to just see him clowning around with his teammates I think there was a good amount of that I, I, I was hoping for a little bit more of that of more really really behind the scenes stuff but uh, overall I mean I, I loved it I, I it was ESPN still will just throw him on randomly and I just I watch I'm just like in love with it <laughs> well let's yeah, no, let, let's talk. Again. Yeah, let's, let, let's talk about hockey for a second because the Blackhawks are. Hockey. Yeah, <laughs> let's do the hockey as Chance Rabbit would say. So the Hawks are going to be in this sort of like pre Stanley Cup playoff sort of thing that they're going to have. But actually, Patrick King actually has some comments saying, "Well, wait a minute, not so fast. You know, we're still trying to figure some stuff out." So that was a little that's a little bit of a shock. But do you think the Hawks have a chance to perhaps maybe do well, perhaps maybe advance in this whole playoff situation? To your, to your uh, Patrick Kane point, I, I agree. I was like, 
when I heard that, I'm like, uh-oh, what? I'm like, I thought we were all good to go here. I thought the NHL was set to go, but I, um, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping they're, they'll be set by July 10th. But yeah, I, I, when I heard that from Kane yesterday, I was like, oh no, don't give me MLB 2.0 here. Um, uh, yeah, you know, they, they, they were saying, is it necessary, are they really in the postseason qualifying round? What is it? I know it's the qualifying round. Um, Sure, I think they have a shot. I mean, you have guys that have been there, and Stan Bowman, and basically everybody yesterday that talked said um, it, it was renewed energy, right? I mean, it just it felt like the past two seasons, the Hawks had just been so close to getting back to being the, that competitive team that we had come to know, and they would string a few games together, string a few games together. They're right there in the playoff picture, and then they would fall off for three or four games. They just, like, couldn't get over the hump permanently. So – all of a sudden, you're looking – I mean, think of where the season ended. They were six points out of the wild yeah. – six points yeah. out of the wild card. It didn't look good. I mean, they were – I think their percentages to get in were very low. So now all of a sudden, they're like, hey, everybody, you're, we're back in it. I mean, that imagine that locker room. You got to figure it gets up a little bit, right? For the teams that already thought they were in the postseason, you already thought you were in the postseason. For a team that thought they were dead for the season – no, you still got a shot at the Stanley Cup. I'm not saying they they have a legitimate shot, but you never know. It's hockey, right? I love the Stanley Cup playoffs because we yeah. never know. We see underdogs knock off the, the top-ranked teams all the time. So, yeah, I think they have a shot. I can't wait to see them uh, how all that plays out. I hope Chicago is a hub city um, for some of these games. You're essentially dropping half the NHL on on the town. So, um, yeah, I, I think they have a shot. I, I can't wait to – the second half of this year, by the way, if everything goes according to plan, it's going to be insane. I mean, we could have hockey, basketball, baseball. I'm a golf junkie. I don't know. So we could have the Masters in the yep. fall. We could have the U.S. Open, the Ryder Cup. Yep. We could have um, the Kentucky Derby scheduled for the fall. Mm-hmm. So as much as it's been nothingness of sports for the past three, four, five months, um, we, we could have an insane amount. I'm going to need multiple TVs for this situation. We're going to need like a whole setup <laughs> on the wall. For oh, this. yeah. So I, I hope that I, I hope that if these leagues do, um, if if that does happen, that the the leagues and the seasons do overlap, we really hope that the the, the TV programming plans accordingly, yeah. because people are going to watch during the game. You know what I mean? Like you, if you're mm-hmm. the NHL and the NBA, don't compete against one another. People are still going to be working from home in the fall. Like MLB, throw a game on in the middle of the day. Kids are at home. Maybe you can win over a generation playing during day uh, day games again. I hope that, however this does shape out, I hope that we, we don't go to count. Like, let's just stack this. I want full sports all day. Like, 9 a.m., let's get baseball going. You know, just, why not, right? I mean, sure. yeah. stack it all together. Might as well. Yeah. yeah so. Kevin, yeah, Kevin Powell from WGN Radio joins us right here on Second City Sports. And, Kevin, I wanted to ask you this question in regarding to the NHL. Uh, with this 2014 tournament, of course, all of the big market teams, including Chicago, are involved in this playoff slash tournament style. All the Canadian teams, I believe, are in there as well. Do you think that the NHL will capture hopefully a new group of fans and uh, hopefully that some of these big market teams will advance? Do you think the NHL has the opportunity to catch or capture a new set of fans, even though there won't be fans in the stands? That's a really good question. I um yeah I do because of what we were just talking about. Like, it, there's gonna be a lot of people watching, right? I mean, people are gonna be watching sports. I think people who aren't even diehard sports fans are probably like, 
yeah, kind of a sports a little bit, right? You, you, mm-hmm. At minimum, it's your background noise during Saturday night. You got a college football game on in the background, or you go to a bar. There's sports games on the TV. So, yeah, I think so. I think there's a real opportunity. You got to figure. I mean, kids love sports. I know I love sports as a kid. That's why we all get into it. So if something's yeah. on, you know, maybe maybe someone who wouldn't had watched um, might do that. So I, I think everybody everybody has a really strong opportunity here to be creative and find ways to to deal with what we have to deal with and make it interesting um but yeah to your points and you like it does it does provide a platform however that may be um to maybe win over some some new fans that maybe wouldn't have watched in the past yeah before we move on from hockey i want to get your take on the blackhawks uh reshaping on the front office of course John McDonough was relieved of his duties as a president of hockey operations from the Blackhawks. Jeremy Carlton, their head coach, I know many Blackhawks fans have various opinions on him. And, of course, uh, general manager Stan Bowman, who all, we all thought that he was going to get let go after the season. It seems like he's safe from now. Uh, give us your thoughts about the Blackhawks moving forward and perhaps looking for a new uh, president of hockey operations. Yeah, I was a, I was a little surprised to see uh, John McDonough let go, at least with the timing of it. You know, mm-hmm. but as Rocky Wirtz said in his initial statement that the pandemic did give him time to kind of take a step back and, and reflect um, however he came to that decision. Um, a little surprised, too, because it's not like the Blackhawks brand is hurting. And that was really where John McDonough left his his footprint, which was the brand and the marketing and winning over fans. I mean, people who were never watching the Blackhawks. I mean, this town went nuts when they when they won all those three cups and they, and they really capitalized on it on winning over generations of new fans because for a lot of a lot like my generation like there was the older generation the Stan Makita fans and the Bobby Hall fans and all that and then it was like a lost gap for me because half the games weren't on TV they weren't very good they were almost this sport I went to more Chicago Wolves games as a kid as that I even watched as a black as a, a watch Blackhawks game so John McDonough really did that. He brought the Blackhawks back to Chicago. Now winning, it comes down to winning. You can do all the marketing and branding you want. If you're not winning, is it really going to work? But um, So that's why I was a little surprised because I didn't think they really had an issue in, in that regard. But clearly uh, some differences played out. Uh, Danny Wirtz is uh, – I've met him before. He's a very energetic guy and uh, sounds like he's very creative. So it's um, – I don't know if he's necessarily going to be the permanent president or what the plan is there. I, I really don't know, but um, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how it all plays out. But a uh, little surprise on the timing of McDonough, but for whatever re- reason, Rocky Words came to the, this decision. Let's talk a little bit about the DePaul real quick, because I've had, you know, Sid knows this, because I've had my issues about about the team, you know, the men's program. <laughs> Various years, you'll 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 be you'll see. Kevin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll say. Well, I'm gonna be nice to Kevin. I know Kevin's not Kevin's fault. So Jillian Jillian Ponsetto, Ponsetto has is gonna retire. You know, in the next few weeks. I know they got a new president there. So what do you think that Paul has to do to kind of like recapture that that magic, or at least some of the magic from that the men's basketball team back in the '80s, '90s, and that kind of thing. Well, first of all, my brother and sister went to to DePaul. My older brother is just, he's like you. He's dying for this program to be good again. Right when I saw the news about uh, Jean Lenti Ponsetto, and all, all due respect to her, um, I sent him it right away. I said, <laughs> he was pretty happy. He's like, I'm ready for a new athletic director at DePaul. <laughs> um, you know this, again, just, to, I don't know exactly what it is they have to do to be, I, I'm not, uh, 
I will tell you this, though. When they were 12-1 and one this past season, and they were playing Seton Hall, who was uh, ranked at the time, I went to the uh, Winchester Arena for a game, and it was an awesome experience. There was some serious buzz in the arena for that game, and you could tell how passionate DePaul fans are and how much they're, like you said, like, you know, how, how much everybody wants, them, wants to see them as a winner. What they have to do, I, I, I don't have a great answer for you. Um, I just really hope they get back to – to being regularly competitive in the, it's been rough in the Big East for the Big East is tough anyway. And I thought when they were 12 and one, I w- went and watched them play a couple games. Pat, I'm like, they got some players on this team. This looks like a pretty solid basketball team. And then the wheels fell off when we know the rest of the story. So um, I don't know, but I'm with you. And I really hope the ball figures it out and gets uh and had, shout out to the women's program, right? We always just kind of gloss over yeah, that. How, how great have they been for so many years? Doug Bruno. Um, yeah. I, I would, I would love to see the basketball back again regularly <laughs> a couple more minutes with kevin powell sports anchor reporter of wgn radio right here on second city sports along with lakina mcgee i'm sydney brown kevin you ready to have some fun here in this last couple of moments yeah okay right. if you can go back in time i give you one virtual ticket which one of these four events would you like to relive a uh, sporting events you like to relive you ready yeah um First event, Bulls-Jazz 1998 NBA Finals Game 6, Jordan's last shot. Wow. Number number two, Game 4 of the 05 World Series between the White Sox and the Astros. Third event, Patriots-Bears, the 1985 Super Bowl. Number four, Jackie Robinson, opening day 1947. Or number five, of any of the three Chicago Blackhawks Stanley Cup uh, Championship final games. Any of those five events, one virtual ticket to go back in time, which one of those divisions would you like to attend and why? So I grew up a Sox fan, and as crazy as it sounds, I'm going to cross that one off first just because I was celebrating in the family room with my family, and I don't think that I'd rather be any other place than where I was that night. So okay, jumping up Aww. and down. So, <laughs> so I'll cross, sweet. I'll cross that one off the list. Do I, I'm not on a timer, am I? No, like a, no, go ahead. No, go ahead. As long as you need. <laughs> uh, this is not saying I'm not a diehard Hawks fan, but I've been around the Hawks so much, and I've been to so many games, and I feel like I've experienced so much already, and I was at some of those playoff games, being a partner with them. Like, I've already kind of been spoiled with how much I've been able to expose. So I can't really, I can't really beg for anything there. Um, See, even Patriots and Bears, like if I could go back in time, I'd probably want to just be watching with all my friends at a house. Crazy as that might sound. Like, like a house party with a bunch of friends, drinking some beers, eating nachos. So maybe I'll cross that one off too. I mean, you kind of, kind of, if, I mean, how do I say no to Jackie Robinson, but also how do I say no to Jordan's last game? Um, I mean... I should probably say Jackie Robinson, but I, I got to be there for Jordan's last game. I mean, that would be great. Either one of those two is good in my book. Yeah, what about I you guys? Yeah, I can see champagne uh, flowing through your face, Kevin, watching Michael Jordan's last game. Uh, how you, of course, they don't allow it anymore, but fans running onto the court, you yeah. kind of hug Jordan, and then he throws you off your house. So you... <laughs> Oh my imagine, God! Imagine somebody trying to run on the. Right. Imagine that now you're going oh, down. Oh God! Exactly. <laughs> what See, would you not... guys pick? Oh shoot! Oh shoot! 
Oh, uh, <laughs> I never really answered. Uh, I would say I would I would be the diplomatic. I'd say maybe. Oh God, I would love to get. Can I like split the tickets in half in like five ways, like in the, to, to each of those each of the events, or maybe even smaller for the the Hawks? Uh, you know, just to see history, I say Jack Jackie Robinson. Just yeah. imagine what he went all he went through, and it's just you know I can't imagine going through that and. And you would get a real, you would get a real feel because you would feel how people feel about that. You know what I mean? You could probably get a good sense Mm -hmm. of the ballpark and being like, wow. I mean, that's, you gave me a tough list because that's such an actual real historical moment. The other is just a sporting event in some ways. I know. That's not very fair, Sid. What about you, Sid? This is what it's all about. To challenge your mind a bit. You know, step out of your You To be honest with you, even though I, I saw Michael Jordan as a kid because my late mother had season tickets to the Chicago Bulls games at the old Chicago Stadium. So even though I would, I would, I would knock over everybody uh, with a reason to, uh, to <laughs> attend that event, I would say Jackie Robinson, because like, like you said, Kevin, the, the historic event, he was the first African-American player you know, in Major League Baseball. So I think from that uh, standpoint, I would take that over to the Chicago Bears. Because I would have taken the Chicago Bears because even though I was young then, you know, you know, you really didn't a- a- appreciate uh, what they – I wasn't old enough to appreciate what that team did. Of course, I saw all the games and saw all the documentaries about them growing up. I remember watching those players during their later years. They couldn't quite get back to that 85 level. But just just for, an, like you said, an historical standpoint, I would pick Jackie Robinson. My fun is I would love to uh, – they actually just showed that Super Bowl twenty. Uh, I think, last week on M- the big NBC network. I was bored yes. out of my mind. I was bored. I'm like, no, no this is this – is, no, no. See, I, I didn't experience I loved it. I was, I was watching it. I'm like, this is awesome. The defense was just so ridiculously great. It was – I don't know. I, I, I thought it was fairly enjoyable. You know, I, this is the second time I brought him up. Maybe it's because I watched a couple documentaries on him recently. But to, to be um, in the seats for a Muhammad Ali fight, like oh, a yeah. big heavyweight title fight, I'd, I'd put that in there. And it, that's what, one thing I want to experience, the big, like, real heavyweight match in, uh, in Vegas. Because, like, everybody I talk to that's been in Vegas for a huge fight, you feel the buzz from the morning. I want to I wanna experience that. I hope boxing can get to that point again. I don't know if it ever will because of the violence and the way people watch sports now. But I, I wish boxing could get – I'm not even, like, a boxing junkie or anything. I like it if it's on and there's a good match. But it's, you know, we don't have necessarily, I mean, could any, could you ask a common fan to name one boxer? I mean, I can name a few, but it'd be cool to have like another, you know, like a legit big time heavyweight star boxer that the whole, that everybody can get behind. I don't know if we'll ever get there. Yeah. Yeah. Let's be honest too, in the game of boxing, you haven't had a a legit, a legitimate heavyweight uh, contender probably in the last 25, maybe even 30 years since, since Mike Tyson, before the before we're not going to get into what happened to him in the early '90s, but also too, USC and MMA has taken over the landscape. It's like boxing has shot itself in the foot, and those other two sports that I mentioned, those combat sports, have taken over the uh, mainstream sports uh, yeah. complex in terms of viewership. So I think you can point to those two factors right there. Yeah, I can. Pl- I, I'm still trying. I give UFC a shot. I'm just I can't really get into it if. It's on. There's a big fight. Some of my buddies are really into it, so it turns into an event. You know, we would all meet up and watch the fight. But I, I don't. 
can't really get into it. Just yeah, I yeah, I got a good friend who covers the MMA. I, I just he just said like, listen, like he get I I can't get into it. I I prefer the traditional boxing any day. The yeah, career boxing, too. I watch it every week as much as I can. So, I love it. Um, so uh, yeah, a couple more minutes with Kevin Powell here on Second City Sports Zoom style. Now I want to talk about like the, the college football in that aspect, not having like a lot of people there because you look at the big house, hundred over a hundred thousand. Um, you know. Buckeye Stadium, you know, they 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 have like eighty thousand, and Jordan Hare. A lot of those places have like seven or eight thousand. Do you see any of that happening this year? Not to full capacity, but the way some of these athletic directors are talking, it sounds like they're very much determined to have fans in the seats. We'll see where we're at with COVID and all that. For, but you know, for college football, the that game day experience. I mean, college game day, right? That's yes. That's that's huge. Yeah, the game's big, but like. College tailgating and the, the tradition and it runs in families and all that. They want to maintain that, but I don't know. 2020, you're going to ask 100,000 people to get into the same spot at the same time. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I see that happening. I, I could see maybe like half, I don't know, breaking up by sections and maybe every other couple rows. Um, so I, I don't know for sure, but it sounds like some of these – you know, some of these universities are, they sound determined to have fans in the seats. Yeah. One last question for Kevin, probably before we spring you. Uh, you work in your hometown covering Chicago sports. People uh, want to do what you do. We got have a lot of people there that listen to us. They, they want to do what we do. They want to do what you do. It, uh, uh, tell our listeners out there, what a, what a piece of advice would you give them to succeed in this business? Uh, there's a handful of things I would tell them. Um, I would say don't be afraid to try something that you never even thought you would do. You know, for me, when I started, I wanted to do basically what I'm doing now, be on air and report and do shows and do all that. But when I got here, like that's, they're not going to give somebody out of college and on it, you know, I mean, for the most part. So they were like, what do you want to produce? I didn't really know what producers did, but of course the first thing I said was absolutely, I would love to produce. <laughs> so, because I knew, I, I knew that would keep me around the station, right? And then, then I could start to build relationships and build opportunities. I used to produce the morning show and um, I liked it. It was cool to work on a show. I couldn't believe I got to produce the morning show and it was great and I learned a lot. And that's another thing too, if you really wanna work in radio, if you have an opportunity to pr produce, do it because you're going to hear a show differently. You're going to understand how to build a show. You're going to understand how to properly use elements and sound and work in colors and everything. It changes your complete viewpoint. Um, I hear, I hear hosts that I can tell were never producers. <laughs> I hear hosts that were clearly very much producers by the way they go about their show. So uh, this is a long way of me saying that I had never even dreamed or thought of being a producer for a second but the opportunity came and I took it and then it snowballed from there I started filling in doing sports on the morning while I was producing and then you know opportunities came so I would just say if you really want to do it first of all if you really want to get into broadcasting make sure you're ready to go all in because it's kind of a it can be yeah. a bit of a crazy lifestyle so um not necessarily in a bad way but it's just not your traditional nine to five you're probably gonna work nights you're gonna work weekends you're gonna work weird hours you're gonna have to do some other stuff but it's all fun that's why I did it beats working for a living I get to have fun every day so um yeah I would just say just you know try to try to work on and in 20 we like we have to do everything right you have to be on camera you have to be on air you have to be able to write you have to be able to 
I mean, even for me, I'm like, I got to figure out how to do more digital content. It's everything. You have to keep your name out there. It's not my favorite thing to do in the world, but it's just the reality mm-hmm. um, yeah. of, of where we're at. So, but just try to try to broaden everything. I mean, I remember my last year at Illinois State, I, tr- I tried to do as much as I could. I worked at the student radio station. I worked at the student newspaper and I worked at the local news talk radio station, WJBC, doing all that. So it just, when you try new things, you find out, wow, I like that or you don't like that. So then maybe you can narrow, kind of, you know, figure out more of a narrow lane you, you might want to go down. So other than that, just all the traditional stereotypical things, work hard, network, uh, be likable at work, whatever that may be. Just have, people want you around. They're going to ask you to be around. They're going to find opportunities for you. So, you know, but, uh, try, try, try a little bit of everything. Try a little bit of everything. All right. Anything else, Lakina? No, I'm, no, I'm good. All right. <laughs> Kevin, that, that's the perfect way to go out with this interview. Thank you so much for joining us here today on Sega City Sports Zoom Cell. You can listen to Kevin Powell doing sports updates Monday through Friday on the Rocon Show from 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. on WGN Radio. You can follow him on social media on Twitter at kpowell 720 You can follow him on Instagram and at Kevin Powell WGN 720 I hope I got that correct. Thank I you think so it's much. 720 WGM, but that was 720 on Instagram. Thank you so much for having me, guys. This flew by. This is a lot of fun. I appreciate it. It was. Right, thank, thank you, you so much. Tell, yeah, tell Laura like I said hello and uh, much continues if that's okay. I'll do that. So you guys gonna post this today? Well, how does this um well, guys- we'll, we'll yeah, we'll post it uh, this weekend. We'll we'll let you okay. know and right. and then yeah. we'll go on from there. Cool. All right. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks. Nice talking to you, Kevin. Thanks, Kevin. You too. Have a great day. You too. Stay safe. Thanks. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Yeah, that was a lot of fun, Lakina. Like I said, I've known him. Yeah, I've known him for the last couple of years. I met him for the first time last year uh, doing my first TV appearance on on the now defunct CLTV Sports Beat. He just can't be no more than a cool professional kind human being so uh, check out kevin powell he's doing big things in the city of chicago so uh he's he's one of the next big guys that's coming up in this business so we we like to get people on it as always that they're game changers they they know what they're talking about bringing a different perspective like he did today and we just continue to go go on from there so we bring in new fresh voices and you're going to hear those voices in the coming uh shows ahead yeah absolutely because uh we like to like 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 Sid said, you know, different perspectives, different people, you know, mm-hmm. rising stars, you know, established people in the industry. So we like to give you like different like viewpoints and such. So and, and Kevin, Kevin's terrific. Like I like I told like you texted like I said to you guys last night when you told me you were gonna get Kevin on. Kevin is mm-hmm. terrific, and you know, uh, you guys now hear why and see why. So. Mhm. Yeah, I'll ask you, Lakina, how was your first impressions on him? Because I know this is the first time that he's been on this program. Like no, I, said, I had him on D and Davis before a couple of times, but how did you like him on, on this program? I like him. Like I said, I've, I've heard him on, on uh, WGN doing with, with, you know, with Rokon and also, mm-hmm. you know, doing the, the show that they, the sports central, I think they do at six to 10. He does that occasionally. So yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, look, I, he's exactly what I expected to be, you know, diff, you know, different perspective. And I like a lot of his, his answers, especially when it comes to the, the Paul and also, the college football aspect of it because exactly how I think. So that's, that's kind of creepy, but also a good thing too. Great minds. Yes. Uh, and so I always say great minds thinking like 
Uh, one last question before we call it a, a day for this week's show. Do you think that baseball will reach an agreement by the time we convey here next week? I mean, Kevin sounded very optimistic that probably by the end of this, by maybe probably perhaps maybe this time next week. I hope so. Because I have to think that all that money that's being, you know, it's on the table right now and all, all the games, I think they want to be kind of like the front end, especially when it comes to the major sports. We've seen some of the soccer leagues. They'll be back on tr – they're, they're back on track. You know, golf's going on right now. So, I, I don't know. I mean, hopefully they can get it together, but I'm not – I'm not really sure. What do you think? I'm going to be that jerk and say no because it seems like they cannot get out of their own way. I hope I am wrong. If, if we come back next week and, and they reach the deal, I'll be the first to admit it. Remind me, Lakina, I trust your mind to – Let's say this, I know we're recording this right now, obviously, but uh, I'll be there jerk and say no, but they reach a deal by the time we con convene next week. Uh, I'll, I'll be happy, but uh, I'll admit that, that, that I was wrong. So right now, if I had an answer, I'd say no. Well, listen, we're both, we'll, listen, we're, we're both mature adults. We'll, we'll, we'll admit when we're wrong. So that's, <laughs> we'll, be, we'll, listen, we'll admit that, that we're wrong. So it, it, it's okay. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how this, you know, especially with you know, golf this weekend, how that's going to play out, especially on television. Uh, MLS, you know, the Chicago Fire is going to be part of that, that World Cup style thing that they're doing. So, and also we'll see about the NBA and, and also the NFL too. So, like like Kevin said, I mean the last the last second half of the year is going to be a very interesting and very eventful in the world of sports. Yep, it should be fun. All right, so you can follow me at Keenan McGee on Twitter at Keenan underscore McGee on the Insta. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at SidKid80. Once again, SidKid80. That's S I D K I D A zero. That's S I D K I D A zero. And make sure you listen to the Dean Davis show and Dean Davis the Flip on all your uh, podcast platforms. And you can go to War or Anchor. You can listen to this program, Second State Sports, on there as well, which kicks you over to Spotify and all your other podcast platforms as well. And you can read all of my articles at weareregalradio.com. That's W-E-A-R-E-R-E-G-A-L radio.com. All right, so same bat time, same bat channel right here on Zoom. We'll see you next week. Stay safe out there and be kind to each other. And listen, there's lots of stuff going on. Keep it up. You know, people are registering to vote now, so make sure you guys vote in November. That's the only way we'll see any big change. But you know what? Stay safe. Keep your hands clean. We'll see you next week. Stay united. Holla! <laughs>